Welcome to another episode of my XL podcast. Before we jump into this, I want to tell you about 1994 Battle of the Beats. It's the 25th anniversary of possibly my favourite gig in Northern Ireland. And DJ X-Ray and myself have been working on putting the original lineup back together for probably about five years now. Ultrasonic, Dream Frequency, X-Ray, Psy, Bin Man and DJ Joanne will be playing Lush in Northern Ireland, aka Kelly's. We'll be recreating that amazing night, having the time of our lives, on Saturday the 29th of June 2019. I hope you can join us. Tickets are available from the Lush website. Now, back to the show. Welcome on our XL podcast. He's right off the plane. Two. He's in my studio. Check one, two, two, check. <laughs> is it, hey, boy, is a bloody microphone working over here behind this glass? Uh, hey, I <laughs> fucking did a big build up there, man. You killed it. <laughs> <laughs> He's all the way. He's off the plane. He's here. DJ. X-ray. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been great. It's great. It's, it's great. It's lovely looking over the the. Is this the West End or East End of Glasgow? This is Paisley, mate. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've been fucking singing that song all week. West End, East End, whatever you know. So this is Paisley, it's Central uh, End or uh, South? Right or? next to the airport. That's right. You're basically looking at a runway out the window. Right, very good. That's a nice view, man. I love it. I love it. It's a really nice studio as well. Thanks very much. Yeah, I like all your awards and stuff and all you have up there and stuff. Oh, that there picture of my name on it. Fuck <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> yeah, it's beside my bed. I've got other pictures of you as well. You know, like, just... I bet you have. Uh, so, Raymond, <coughs> as your mother would call you. Raymond, yes. Big Ray. This has been lo- long overdue, this wee chat. We've been talking about it for a while, haven't we? I, I know. I, I've, been, I've been listening to him with some of the other podcasts and, and hoping that maybe someday that you would actually bring me over here to do one. And boom, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. I thought you'd miss your flight this morning as well. Oh, you were fucking probably going, yes. <laughs> How's that? Saved There's 50 it. quid a drink I've saved. <laughs> Just been drank too. <laughs> Aye, this morning because... I got a new phone there and, uh, well, actually, I broke my new phone and I'm back on my old uh, iPhone. Nokia. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking physical Nokia, but um, I didn't even, I seen you this morning, you sent me a message saying, I'll pick you up at the airport, or blah, 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 and I actually had looked at it and just never replied. Going, ah, yeah, it's cool, no more at all. So on the way to the airport this morning, I was saying, fuck, did I reply back? So... I had to update my fucking messenger settings so I can't even oh you can't even use it messages. fuck <laughs> I, I thought you were using telepathy or something like that I usually do <laughs> well, you know but I thought cause I'm out of Northern Ireland now I thought I'd fucking just go straight later <laughs> people forget about that fucking bending spoon stuff <laughs> Yuri Geller uh, I see that man uh, Yuri Geller salt in the Brexit uh, big prick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as political as we get. That's, that's what he's getting anyway. Fucking fud. 
Enough about you, Regal. Where was he in the nineties, man? Exactly. Benny Spoons and fucking Kazakhstan or something. Ben Chins. He's new Ben and Conceals, isn't he? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll do. Absolutely, Brexit. Get me the paper. Just go get me the fucking paper. Give me a couple of spoons. We'll sort that shit. I never even heard of that. Is that what he's trying to do now? Sorry, Brexit. He's on. I thought you'd seen the post. Somebody posted. I don't watch the TV. Actually, it was it was Ian Bland Dream Freakers. He posted on his Facebook today. Must have a TV. Ah, he's. He's fingling in it, man. He's, he's got all written. He posted something for the Guardian, and it was Yuri Geller saying, I'll fucking sort the Brexit out. Yeah. And he's holding a spoon. What's he going to stir his tail with? I just saw it to my <laughs> That's acid. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought to myself, well, fuck, that's a relief. It's been dragging on. <laughs> Finally, the boy put an end to it. <laughs> fucking hail the you, <laughs> Anyway, fuck him. Um, right, aye. So, take a wee sip here for your tea there. Get I ready. Love, I love like diving in. Is, by the way. In a 1994 mug. I'm telling you, man. With a 1994 tea bag and 1994 milligrams of sugar. Sugar. That's how we roll here. I say excellent man everyone's just 94 even though my jacket says 93 they ran out of the 94 ones nah, you were always ahead man that's what I was saying to you today well actually you were the head one I was behind by a year you know but anyway hopefully I'll flog that on to somebody tonight aye man get it signed and sold yeah, totally it's Frank so, the Wolf to sign it so uh, <laughs> I've got about five Frankie records. Jekka Frankie Jekka <laughs> 40 quid <laughs> TK Max. <laughs> oh, so mate right get serious here right. what, what was the kind of thing that got you into music I've been uh, I, I don't really know what, where my first time probably going out with my ma and my dad or mum and dad as people would call them to my dad used to play in a dance band um, the saxophone he was a singer as well played the clarinet and all the rest of that. it was probably my first ever thing of of, of Noticing that maybe I wanted to be an entertainer in the t- entertainment business, but I've been seeing my dad on stage. Where age would you have been? That size, I probably would have been between seven and eight on that region. My next recollection, recollection of uh, you. So you're just looking, going to the gigs and looking up at your dad, my going, dad wow. going, "Wow, I want to do, I, I want to do what he does." And I've always said that, you know, I've always my dad was my, probably my biggest influence to actually make me want to get into the entertainment business. Um, where after that, you know, he obviously didn't influence him in my music because he, he, he played jazz and, and like country and stuff like that. He, he was a big jazz musician way back in the day. Um, there's actually some video footage of him from 1957 and a place in Port Rush. Brilliant. Um, it's a video called Up to the Port. It's basically um, a document, like a, a video documentary of like a family who took all this footage over two summers between 1957 and 58 and um, basically went around all the different aspects of like hotels and pubs and and um, swimming pools and bathing places and just videoed everything but they caught a clip of my dad playing the clarinet in uh, which is a place called Fawcett's Hotel which is right beside the Northern Counties which was a big hotel just overlooking Portrush um, aye so uh, well, getting back to what I caught problem my dad seeing him doing what he was doing and he was always a great entertainer, a great singer a uh, great musician uh, even though I never took up any of that off him uh, I let the the, the, the records actually become my musical instrument mm-hmm. 
or the decks, whatever. Um, and and that, that as well was my first time going, right, this is this, I want to get into this entertainment business. I remember then sort of briefly about standing at my sister's hi-fi nose level because I fucking couldn't, I couldn't actually see onto the platter. I had to get on my tiptoes. Was it one of these kind of wooden... Aye, units almost. It was was like a black Hitachi. Oh right, right. Fucking like an R two D two kind of thing. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Put that, and I mind putting standing up and like trying to get the looking at the record, and it was like big. Excuse me, tea was lovely. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, It was, it was like a green, white, and it was like the Irish trickler. Um. Flag. Mm-hmm. It was Sister Sledge lost in music, but the B side. I'd listened to B side first, but first when I seen it, it was like, oh, fuck, my sister's in the IRA. <laughs> <laughs> my ma's gonna fucking kill him. I was whittling, but no, it was fucking Sister Sledge, blah blah blah. I was like, this isn't fucking. This isn't Republican band music, whatever. So flipped over to the other side, and the other side was lost in music by Sister Sledge, and that absolutely since that moment fell in love with that song. Just playing and it start to finish, start to finish. Start, what a fucking track, man! It's just that that whole disco. Think if this is what the IRA is all about, I'm in. <laughs> Send me that, Jerry. I'm in, big man. I'm in, like Flynn. <laughs> what do we get? We twenty nine fifty. You're on the way, TP, son. Oh, Start here. <laughs> hey, no, you're looking down that gun the wrong way. <laughs> Fuck, it's my bad eye. Oh, boy. Um, aye, so uh, after that, I think my brother was friendly with a DJ in, in a, like a pirate radio station. What kind of years is this, Probably 82, 83 going on the. Uh, no, it was probably about 12 by the time all that came about. Um, to to that fact that me giving him a tape and like saying like pausing it and all and then get my dad's mic plugged in and sure Mike it was too with loads of fucking dents in it and you could smell the beer off it smelled like an Isle Orange Hall which we use twice a year or something you know <laughs> um, where was I there? Uh, I the radio station and you're making yeah, tapes my brother then yeah, so I was basically going in play, putting a song on pressing pause on the tape and then going and this one's for George and Molly Stelford from 533 Wendy Hall Park in Corian giving out their fucking address and all and by the way they're away to the market today so fucking get robbed go and rob them <laughs> so some of that so nothing ever came back from that I wonder what no, part no. of it for burglaries <laughs> fucking crime the crime statistics up through the roof fine some young guys doing pirate tapes now <laughs> putting out there guys ah, he's it's empty so he's got an empty he's got an empty that none ever come back from that so um, it got to the case where we were at school probably about 14 um, I was up the back of the school bus one day and uh, two of the girls I knew Angie and Julie I'm actually writing a book at the minute about all that sort of uh, Palavi and they're in it and that story's in it as well about the whatever we laughed at there earlier on I came uh-huh. we laughed at oh, my you dad give, my sister's give, being IRA so, and you yeah. giving away the rest yeah. <laughs> but there, there is another funny story to that as well whenever I was doing this here with my sister's hi-fi I was like 
trying to be, keep the noise down, blah, blah, blah. She'll sit downstairs, Sunday dinner, making my, helping my mum make the dinner. So I was like, ah, but so Sister Sides lost the music, took over, man. I just cranked it up, and I mean, that was like standing. Wait, I was going to say, it was on there, but all my hair, my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> just standing, listening, boom, 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 and it was going away. And next minute, all I can remember is that big all I can remember is a big white light. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All I remember is a big white light. And then sort of coming around, and my, my man, my dad, my two sisters were like hovering above me. What I didn't know was whenever she, I was, the music was blasting, she came in through the door and just knocked me out. <laughs> right, so as I was coming around, nowhere to lie, as I was coming around, I remember this as well. So I just seeing a vision looking up, and it was like, Fucking Beatles album Rubber Soul, you know, where they were all standing like And the first words I said was like, Ma, our hellers in the IRA. So that was one of the funny ones. But get going to the music, Hanky, and the two girls, Angie and Julie, they gave us a, got me a start. Collecting glasses basically in the nightclub. What club? Uh, a club called Lacey's, Lacey's Nightclub. It was like a really late 80s, uh, Sean and Tracy, disco, mm-hmm. run of the mill, no sort of uh, styles of music being played, just everything from Connery to fucking the Beach Boys. Um, a wee bit of Gary Glitter in there too, I think. Well, it wasn't me who played that, it must have been Barry Euler. He was a Scottish guy too, by the way. They basically said, yeah, come in. Met the guy Colin, the uh, the manager. He says, "Right, go upstairs, start putting out ice trays." Blah blah blah. A couple of weeks later, I was up in the DJ box and they had a set of like the Technics twelve hundreds, the the really silver, the silver ones, yeah. the really first ones. And I was just in awe about these here. And there was no slip mats or nothing, nothing like that stage. It was nothing game. The guy just a box of seven inch singles. So the guys DJs, the, the DJs records were sitting open, just a wee square box. Basically, two of them. But they were all seven inch singles. Um, and I put one on, blah, blah, blah. Next minute, the fucking manager comes out of nowhere. And I'm standing keying on this, like a like a keypad for the lights and all. It's like, whoa, this is fucking brilliant. Next minute, the manager in the world, hey boy, the fuck are you doing up in there? Don't let me fucking catch you in again. Yeah. Red face down into the cloakroom, fucking tail between my legs. That was all right. Three weeks later, he comes down into the cloakroom, goes, right, you. It's your job now. He's not coming back. Go up there and do the lights. And that was me then. I was uh-huh. like, what? The fucking all my Christmas is coming to one. This is no way. This can't be happening. And then slowly but surely, that was in 1987, slowly but surely by the February, um, my first gig was in Valentine's night and only got that was because the DJ that was, on, that was meant to be on that night fell sick. He was meant to be coming and playing the Saturday night, and the main, Valentine's Day, nineteen and eighty-eight, was a Sunday, if I can remember right, and that was the gig that he he didn't come in for, and the guy called me in to do it, and after that, then I started to warm up for him every week. Just playing his his records, I just playing his records, I you know until I started to get down and start buy like fifty p stuff, uh, yeah. you know, the weekly record shop called Jingles, um, which see the amount of stuff that you were able to get like Easy Posse, everything starts with an E, fifty p. Okay, seven inches or twelve inches, twelve inches, I, oh, brilliant, I just bargain inches, bin yeah, stuff, bargain but bins, man, yeah, and, and back then a lot of the disco DJs who would have been about, but all of them playing seven inches, you know, they went for twelve inches, that was too long for them. Uh-huh. You know, it was an extended mix or whatever. Uh, but there, there was loads of that, like bought loads of music from then, probably 
of my own and then the guy left and then I got the job and that must have been 1989 coming into 1990 and I stayed there for about a year crazy fucking place I mean like was it still pretty much commercial or, or did you start to all, see the all, dance all coming comer, in well the dance stuff had basically coming in from EE anyway you would have went to these places like Strand Hotel and Port Stewart and Happy Harry and, and, and Frankie McLaughlin would have been playing the likes of uh, Hamilton Bahaman come on let's work aye, let's aye, work aye. do stuff like that there leading up to we call it acid yep. leading up to then the, the, the maybe in around the 1991 sort of mark where like all the commercial stuff was hitting the charts like the cutting what do you call it Beatmasters yep. and all Cold that cut, no Cold less. cut and, and uh, uh, what do you call it our girl Lisa Stansfield do you know what apparently <laughs> hey, what, uh, uh, a wee pop pick picking fact about Lisa Stansfield <laughs> my mate told me she's <laughs> been around the world a long long time and she hasn't come back <laughs> she shits in top of her boxes and keeps them <laughs> what's your mate called my mate Scott Gibson and I was like fucking Scott. no way Scott and he went Aye, he goes that's I've heard that that's a real thing so since then every time I hear Lisa Stansfield's name I just think she's shitting in fucking top of her boxes I've been around the piles a long long time <laughs> I just shit on top of my boxes. A room in our house just fucking <laughs> top of oh, you. Oh, there's one from 87. <laughs> oh, look, I'm eating corn. <laughs> Smell that, Lisa. And I'm going to find them. Um, <laughs> aye, so, I mean, l- looking back on those days, we, we pick a couple of tunes maybe that's kind of yeah. sticks out in your mind from um, those days. Probably from that place would be uh, Erasure, some of the Erasure stuff, because Barry was big into them at the time um, A Little Respect I think would have been would have been a, a great track yeah. I had a 4-4 four, four, A Little Respect uh-huh. in it so yeah, it, was, yeah. it was kind of back up over the dance music uh-huh. and all their synth stuff as well was fucking amazing you know it's Vince Clark in Vince it Clark man. Clark so yeah that sort of would have been one of the songs I went yeah that's, you know, gets the crowd going gets everybody singing uh, for that for them uh, times man it was all about audience participation you know, people doing, clapping singing along getting doing the conga oh, uh-huh. fucking right that's all the uh, disco whenever I was growing up that's what disco DJs were doing there was none of the whole oh, look at me I'm pretentious I'm just only playing house music or bollocks right, just about I mean? getting people to dance around. that's it man and it was interesting even like, at the start you said you called it the entertainment business because that is what it that's, is man essentially that's what it is because that's what we do no matter if you're a singer you're a guitarist you're a fucking drummer or if you're a DJ the DJ is the modern day musician he is no matter what the fuck anybody wants to say about it the DJ is the guy at the forefront mm-hmm. of it all I just wish the fuck I could have made it <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> getting flown here there and we're actually getting flown here today was brilliant by the way it was like just being here and then these surroundings of of your your awesomeness <laughs> all these fucking things here all with a foam in the wall the foam in the walls and I am giving the place a good scrutinise <laughs> <laughs> you're rolling drum machines and fucking this is good people by the way if you haven't been in here before get up don't give my address 25, <laughs> quid, 25 quid in <laughs> this next one's for Malachi Lee from Paisley <laughs> he's looking uh, <laughs> he's looking robbed <laughs> <laughs> fucking robbing Oh, I will cut that tune. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Tracks pretty commercial, but you're still seeing like the influence of four four beat and dance music. Aye, yeah, and then you pursuing more the dance side. You draw, drag more into the dance side. Whenever, whenever we, my sister first started to take me out, she used to take us to tracks. You've obviously been to tracks yep. before. Now tracks shot in 2011. That was open from 1982. Wow. So that had come through the whole disco scene. Um, you know, 80s disco. Uh, right the way through to the early hip hop, right the way through to the early garage and stuff. I mean, getting, I mean, one of the reasons why uh, going to tracks was to try and join the DMC. 
I thought if you're in the DMC, you're fucking sorted, mate. Ah, you got the jacket, you got the t-shirt, you got the fucking vinyl that nobody else has. I want a bar like that. So, uh, remember the jackets? They were cool as fuck, weren't they? Were they were they were like a baseball type yeah. jackets as well. Um, I think they were leather sleeves, leather man. Leather sleeves, yeah. There was there was um, Brian was the he was the the rep for Northern Ireland for the DMC. So they always used to do the the, the mixing competition down in tracks. So going there, hearing the stuff he was playing, like he's Brian's one of the guys that um, doesn't get very much. Um, he doesn't get uh, enough Great. credit for what he done back then. He was just at the very, just before the, the the explosion of rave, where he was playing like stuff like all the commercial stuff as well, like your twenty four sevens. I can't stand it. All that sort of early sort of commercial Italian as well. A lot of Italian stuff, black box, all that. You know the way the dance scene hit. I was yep. like, boom! This is this is dance music. Then. The way the DJs used to work back then, especially in, in later years, if something get into uh, the charts, you would never play it. Yeah, that's that right. Was it. it was gone. You know, you just like fuck it. No, Felix, don't you want me? Nah, no, you don't want me. Fuck off. Yeah. There was so much amazing tracks to choose. So you had See, the, the. But it's only now that you can back and look on and go, fuck, that was a great track, even though it made it to the charts. You know, I'm playing that tonight. I want to fucking play that. It was almost like it was a sellout. If it hit the charts, wasn't it? It was just totally, like, ah, yeah, fuck, yeah, it's yeah, no, it's it. no, it's no, it's no else anymore. Uh, no matter what anyway thought we we all thought that we were involved in something special the whole Brexit the Brexit the rave scene there's Yuri Geller outside your fucking window with four spoons <laughs> it's flying by <laughs> no but you're right it definitely was like a uh, just uh, something that you felt was yours ah, and yeah. you and your group of pals and all that this, this is your fucking es music especially whenever Kelly's opened up with Chris doing the raves and I mean going to the first night there when did that open right? that was 91 right um, Chris Chris died about four weeks ago actually about six weeks ago now um, of cancer oh that's a shame which, uh, un un unreal um, guy who had the crowd in the palm of hand every single week and he played six hours every week Every every Saturday night, every six hours, nobody else played. Um, I seen him go through the whole Belgium rave, right the way through to Piano House, right the way through to American Prague, um, in a space of three years, probably between ninety one and ninety three. Chris had done all that, and I mean like <coughs> weekend, excuse me, weekend week out. Chris had been playing James Brown is Dead and all those tracks like Anesthesia, T99, Way at the Very Start, whenever all the way of the XL stuff, just a whole mishmash of everything basically. Then, you know, he started to level out, going, well, listen, I'd rather play this now and I'd rather play that. And you couldn't have got Chris to play an old school set. He went out and just played whatever he wanted, and which you have to admire. You know, um, he was never one for playing to the, what do you call it? Fuck, I'm terrible with interviews like that. <laughs> he just, he just played to the gallery. He didn't, he didn't play the gallery. Uh, so he played what he wanted to fucking play. And you know, I take my hat off that because I couldn't do that. If somebody wants me to go out and fucking play an old school, I'm going to play old school. You know, I'm going to play what I was known for. I'm going to play what I love um, and what I grew up listening to. But where were we there? We, we, we. You were just uh, saying you were going to early days, going to Kelly's and all yeah, that. The, the and that's crazy. Kicking uh, off. Yeah. Um, uh, Brian, he didn't get enough credit, I think, on, on that vibe. But again. Brian's such a lovely guy, you know, isn't he, man? I know. And, and uh, it's, it's a shame that his kind of. 
thing has been documented his his life because he through the whole early disco stuff right the way through and the stories Brian has to tell like about different people holy fuck there's an alien it's not that looks like an alien doesn't it well like that cloud that <laughs> <laughs> cloud up there looks like an alien with you were gigging last night man <laughs> fucking hell don't know what I'm don't know what I'm looking at <laughs> hey, you missed it now it's deformed man he's just in bed in the moment there and now he looks like a pig <laughs> <laughs> aye so anyway um Aye, Brian, does, does he get as much credit as nah, he should? He, he, he should have done, you know, and I think that... Was he know, a big player then, just on yeah, with, totally, the, with tracks totally and was. even the like, stuff he tracks, was playing? Tracks would have been the key place to go in the North Coast. Um, I mean, in, playing in, dance music way before Kelly's. And in, in Port Rush as well, I don't know, what is a five, ten minutes between Kelly's and tracks? Tra- well, five minutes. Five minutes, and both drive. clubs were fucking ran mm, back in the day, weren't yeah. they? Uh, I think... Uh, a lot of that too as well has to do with population as well there's not in terms of like there must have been a baby boom in the 70s um, whenever I was born and starting to go out because whenever I was going out man you could be out fucking Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. then we got a Tuesday half you know, and you can, you can go out any, along the north coast any night of the week and had a great night now it's not it's like the whole attitude of people's cha- of hubbing of chains mm-hmm. you know, all the younger ones all not like go out at six I mean going to Kelly's at six o'clock and even the, the doors at six o'clock just to know, get the music submerse yourself in and it. just uh, it was such a place just to walk around start the night with a cup of tea and and just meet up with people you hadn't seen for maybe since the last week and it was a strange place because all the bars and then the secret <sighs> bars and all yeah. that I remember the first time seeing it and been blown away <laughs> the whole the whole club as the whole essence of the club has just that great feeling about it even now when you go back down and play in Kelly's again I still get that feeling that I'm there in 1985 even though whenever we stopped playing there we were out there for 17 years which was 17 years of fucking climbing out of a fucking bucket you know trying to get your way back up to where you were mm-hmm. I've probably never been <laughs> never been up to that far again in, in terms of being a DJ but um, how how did the, before you go down there? But how did the residency of Kelly's come about? Because that, that, for anybody who doesn't know, Kelly's is mm. you know even even back then when it was like the barn kind of thing, mm. it, there was just something about it, wasn't there? Uh, it was uh, it was a special two thousand people or whatever. What, what kind of numbers? Uh, well, I think the night the biggest night they ever had on it was Ultrasonic versus Dream Frequency. That was the biggest night. Matt, there was three thousand people inside Fucking and two thousand people outside. People kicking holes in the roof and all that. That there was people fucking kicked the and asbestos roof too. What? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I've got a claim coming in. You're not joking. Anyway, that's asbestos roof. And apparently, I hit the DJ's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it was um, something magical about. It was a whole secret of Kelly's because after the raves, I started. Okay, we had tracks, you've had Burberry's, you've had the Anchor, you've had Nero's, which were all just commercial clubs. Even though they were playing a wee bit of dance music, a wee bit of indie, a wee bit of rock, a wee bit of fucking whatever, Kelly's was full on. Boom! This is a fucking. This is what you call a rave. And I mean, going down one night while it was. I mean, going there for the first maybe six months until it had reached like capacity and going. This is fucking brilliant. So I was actually working working as a, a DJ in the Jet Centre, which is a nice rink. Basically a big family complex with like loads of fucking cafes and cinemas and all that sort of pornography. And uh, I took this guy down called Yankee, Yankee McGill, 
and uh, I fucking just dropped an acid tab, if you don't mind me saying, right before we got down, right? And, and it started hitting me in the way in the car, but we got into the Kelly's and Amy, and basically we got a beer, and I remember it as well, it was two tons of Budweiser, and he'd done like a full fucking scan of the room, and just ended up at me and went, these fuckers are on drugs. There's me, eyeballs pumping. Did he know that you were tripping? No, no, I didn't. No, because you kept stuff like the download, didn't you? He knows now. Was all my man, Dad. Sorry. No, again, Kelly's was a fucking mega of 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 just a pure energy. Rave people didn't care. It was it was one of the first places that I sort of seen. The breakdown of the barges and the religion yeah. vibe. You know, a lot of the clubs were there to kept themselves to themselves, you know. Because this is during the themselves. Troubles as well, isn't it? Big totally time. in the flight of the Troubles, you know, uh, where a lot of the most uh, crazy goings on, man, was like men having guns held their head in clubs outside of Club 10 and you're not even back. You know, mm-hmm. don't come I'm not back next week, fucking roll, move on somewhere else. That was, it was very tribal. You know, they didn't like outsiders coming in and into their towns, and we we done all that, man. We we were like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday would have been the Longfield in Eglinton. Friday would have been in in Hennessy's and Derry, Londonderry. Uh, Saturday would have been Kelly's. Sunday could have been down in Frankie's and Rafael. Fucking endless, just keeps going and going and going. But are these are places before all the even you couldn't really go, or is this only places where you uh, could go? Well, uh, after the rave scene had kicked in. You could have went anywhere, depending, you know, unless it's down a fucking dodgy street somewhere. Um, you could have went anywhere. I never really experienced anything other than that fucking guy giving you the big one. Um, other than that, there was only maybe a couple of things that I've seen th- over the years where a couple of bouncers get shot and stuff and they set of clubs and retaliation for other things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what fuck all they do with dance music, you know, where we were, we were trying to um, put it out there that dance music's for everybody same way religion should be you know uh, just bringing people bringing together people together uh, and that's what Kelly's done and a lot of probably other clubs as well done that throughout, throughout Northern Ireland too but Kelly's is the one I experienced it in and seen it first hand where you would know that no, you would see guys for yeah, both sides yeah fucking having a drink with a fucking guy from Coleraine and no sorry best mates or now but I met from back then and I mean that you know it's like I still get my, my mates I still get my mates uh I'm not eating that microphone. I still get my mates that I still have from from Raven, like yeah. Jack and Paul. And, and uh, do, you, do you think if that never happened, it's, it's definitely helped bring oh, the totally. country together? Uh, it made them kind of like a wake up call, especially youth. The older brigade didn't really. They sort of looked at Raven and went, uh, "It's fucking. It's all about drugs." And all, mm-hmm. you know, they they didn't see the, the bigger picture that. Uh, what actually it was doing, it was bringing the people together. Young people um, who would never have been in the same company. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not sure it would have been maybe the 70s or something before, or way back in the 70s where they, they would have been mixing. The people would have been mixing in after the Troubles. You know, it was like a no-go no go zones. Yeah. You know, even the soldiers were, were coming across the northern there and they had no-go zones. They were allowed in bars. They weren't allowed in Kelly's, but they fucking went every week because it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so it was, man. Like that, you could. So even like soldiers were going so mixing. Soldiers were going mixing, and there's a guy called from Liverpool. I met Carl Weston. Um, I haven't seen him since then, but like they used to go every week to Kelly's, and they were both they were all soldiers. They called them the E Company. 
<laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but I, even till you said that, I never thought, you know, I knew there's also the Protestants and Catholics coming together for the mm. first time, but when you actually think soldiers were coming in there, so, yeah. take religion out of that. that, that they, they're they're kind of like fucked either uh, way, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, but totally. they're in raving with everybody they're, they're else. And, and like really having a good time. Like there's still some guys, I know soldiers still married and live, live in Korean still. Because I've maybe met a girl or whatever. Met a girl, right? yeah, definitely. Um, the, leading up to the whole the Chris thing and happening, Kelly's then was like um, me. Then I started to do like mixtapes and trying to get my name out there, which was hard because Kelly's was a place that it was hard to get into. It wasn't until the guys Ian and Tony, uh, Ian Robertson and Tony Cochran, from stepping out um, and Harmony, they started to do nights in it. So I remember like. Plaguing them, I'm going up and say, oh, I'm a DJ. Because these are guys promoting with Scotland. Yeah. They were coming out. Yeah, they were Scottish also doing a night in Scotland and then, then touring that, over, bringing it over. Say, say they might have done one in maybe Scotland on the Friday, and then or, or maybe done one in D- Dublin on the Friday, and then done one in Belfast on the Saturday. Yeah. Then they started to do places in Donegal. I think actually the first place they done was in Donegal, was at that Frankie's in Rafoe. <coughs> um, excuse me, and then they. Uh, <laughs> You're worse than me, man. Uh, I was, I was sucked into the story. You're uh, talking about Tony and Ian uh, yeah. bringing so the nights over. Yeah, um, I, I used to go up and play on my tapes. And some, you know, the fucking tapes I was probably giving them was probably shit too. Like, but I played them that much until Harmony eight. I was fucking at him. Come on, I'm, I think maybe I said to him three times that night, and I think he was going to be a bit fucking cheesed off with it. And seeing this boy's not going away, man. <laughs> we need to give him a fucking gig. You give him something to get me fuck off. And then he was like, oh, right, you're on the next gig. Harmony 9. Just like, fucking oh, blow your mind. Whoa. Said, Who's playing? He goes, Carl Cox. <laughs> well, I just pissed and shit myself on the, on the spot. What year's this, Ray? That would have been 93, September 93, probably, um, for my first gig. Obviously, I've been a DJ before that from, from the fucking late 80s, but that would have been my first ever the big one the big one I, 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 before that I had record shops and stuff I was working in record shops supplying all the fucking best of dance music to all the DJs from Northern Ireland uh, a lot of them used to come down um, so this was just before I got into Kelly's so I had that experience of like music and you know really into like dance music and got the gig Carl Cox he goes there's one on, under one condition you have to go and hand out flyers in Belfast really got fucking no bother there was me, my mate Jack, and his girlfriend Shalana. We just headed up to Belfast with two boxes of flyers and just stood. We said, giving them out to people, yo, give them out to the old guys. Uh, yeah, everybody. Oh, yeah. okay, just get rid of them, mate. Oh, so down got done the gig, man. Fucking couldn't believe it. Um, this is Carol Coxwell, Peaky's yeah. rave career, man, isn't it? I've still got that photograph too, of fucking him sitting out back of Kelly's with his arm around my shoulder. You know, and I'm like, my balls are here. Yeah, I haven't even put that up. <laughs> so the, then that progressed to them then giving me a residency uh, every month. What kind of stuff was you playing there? Probably Italian kind of piano into early hardcore, a fucking mixture of everything with a new set, you know. Uh, and I still kind of stay that way I kind of like to start, start things off slow and build it up to yeah. a bit of bang and stuff um, but I, then Glenn left Chris left probably September or something 90 th- probably around actually November of, of 93 
Um, I, I wasn't there in 94 uh, at all. So uh, Glenn then, he was there for a bit of 94, maybe the first couple of months. And then Alan Simpson came and said to me, right, Glenn's moving on. You're now resident. Which that and my fucking was one of the best things ever. I mean, to put it into perspective, that's got to be, and at that time, the best club in the fucking country. Totally. At that stage, I was only 19, you know. Um, I'm only 26 now. <laughs> 26 stone. Uh, <laughs> um, I, so at that stage, I was only 19, so I was fucking playing in one of the biggest clubs in the country. And uh, uh, to, be, to, be, to be honest, like, I wasn't what you would call up to fucking scratch, either, as a DJ. I learned a lot on my fucking three years there as a resident, so um, especially, you know, somebody's up saying, that was fucking shite. We were like, uh, you know, people would hit you with bottles and stuff, uh-huh. man, if you were fucking shite back then. I mean, Spoiling their buzz. <coughs> totally, I mean, getting hit with a fucking batter sausage one time with red sauce on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually seen it coming uh-huh. at me from the side of my eye, and it was just in slow motion, mate. And then boom, and it hit me right on the fucking nose, and I had red sauce on it. And this year, I got, oh, you thought it was blood? Thought somebody split me. Red sausage. Split sausage. <laughs> split <laughs> and after you ate that, right, so, <laughs> so after I ate that, I went down fucking it. Him and his missus. Um, no, I never found out that. So if you're actually out there listening, it was me. Drop me a PM, mate, so I can slap the fucking face off you. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it hit me, hit me right in the nose, and then bounced onto the decks. And the record went, oh fuck! You know, so we were actually recording tapes that night. So I had to like fucking restart the tape and all, and fucking Jesus Christ! And then look around, you see who was fucking scallying at me. But I, you ever got a sausage? No sausage, but I, I was, I was grim, man. People just. Yeah. They wanted the best. There was a, there was a, there was That's a pressure it. there. They wanted the best night of their life. Yeah, totally, totally. But then again, I think, you know, their own stuff. Throwing sausages. It, it, it's, it's no cool, right? But I think that pressure's no there anymore. You know, like, you know, like, even earlier, what you're saying, a lot of DJs seem to gravitate to working in record shops where uh, that's their, that was their internet, that was their like time. social the network, hub. Yeah. the hub where other met other like-minded people, and then yeah. go. You see, and a lot, a lot of the stuff then would, would have been done around record shops. Like, this is stuff that you wouldn't have seen. Kelly's probably one of the places that you wouldn't have seen advertised in the local papers, you know, for 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 the first part of it anyway. Um, it was always like a, a like an underground movement. Like you tell that I were going here the same way after after Kelly's uh, the nights are shut. Everybody used to go to the White Rocks uh, or or the the caves in Ballantoy. And it was just a steady stream fucking of cars fucking meandering up the fucking road. Um, of people going in. And that was all done through word of mouth. And is this what, is this like a car park type thing? Or a, a car park down just before you got onto the beach. And it was unbelievable. Like, people with the boots open play music and all that? No, there was a guy, there was well, DJs been down playing that too. Maybe somebody would have brought down. There's a great documentary if you see it online and, and uh, YouTube. It's called Dancing on Narrow Ground. That's all about the Northern Iron Rave scene and about the people and base. It's all based around the people, from people from Belfast and guys from Orangefield and other guys from the Catholic parts of Belfast and whatever, all coming together. And you know, you can see there's there is some sort of you know they're scared at times, so they don't want to fucking be mixing with the other side or whatever. You can't see that on the thing. But then the music once they get out down together, they're all standing chatting together each other in the middle of Kelly's. And, yeah. Um, that just has to tell you that, that, that why they're the fighting. I don't think nobody, none of the kids coming up knew why they were fighting. 
each other. You know, it just hadn't been put to them that way. Or it was something you never spoke about. You know, or it's until it's until they, they maybe get involved involved in something and get caught and fucking sent to jail. And then they they understand. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they they ask you why you here and they, they'll go in and go. Well, what do you mean? Why is I here? I'm here because I was caught. Well, that's the reason why you're here. But why are you here? You know, none of them understood whatever the struggle they were fighting for. A lot of the young kids back in. Um, but I'm just glad that's all behind us now. Yeah. Um, for the the best part of it all, um, Northern Ireland's a great place to go and visit now, and without any bombs and shootings and killings, even though there maybe still something goes on, but that goes on everywhere, um, and, and daily life throughout the world. Um, but one of the best places you can come to, man, and just the people—it's very much the same as the Scottish people, very friendly. Oh, definitely. You know, I think there is that big Celtic vibe going on with the, between the Scots and the Irish. You know, oh, and the, um, the energy the and the crowds and all that. But even like, see, even just like as a tourist, when I get a chance to come over, just to see the place flourish over the last twenty oh, years. You get to Belfast yeah. now as well. What a city, man! You, you, you don't even recognise mm-hmm. Belfast now from what it was twenty-five years ago. There may be a handful of clubs in Belfast back in the day. I mean, just a handful that you could go right there. You go there, you know, Sugar Sweet, fucking Tokyo Joe's, Thompson's Garage. Um, you know, now there's a hundred clubs in Belfast. Right. Easy. You know, that's it, just the whole. Um, Refurbish, you know the whole, the whole way they've done Belfast up now to make it like a city. Yeah, the city's just enjoying oh, itself oh, now, big time. You know, okay, there is still elements of uh, that that whole struggle going on on both sides. Um, that's all down to fucking politics and all now in Northern Ireland too, where a lot of people are waking up and seeing, fuck, are these guys? What we want is, is this what we're, our future's all about? You know, fucking like MPs over there and they're taking backhanders, fucking left, right, and centre, and fucking off on on holidays, six thousand pounds worth of holiday to fucking paid for them three times a year. It's mad, and, isn't it? You know, and then getting caught for it. You know, and then fucking oh yes, well I had to do that for this and that. But doing fuck all, he's just greed, man. And that's what's all what's wrong with them politicians. They're all, them greedy all bastards. Man. Every one of them. Every single one. You know. Um, I just think that Northern Ireland, in terms of, it needs something new, in terms of of, of of a party that people can go right. Listen, they're for they're for the people, not not just one side or the other side, because it's, it's a political vote over there. You know, it's it's it's, it's a, a religious thing as well. Uh-huh. They're going to vote for the orange, or going to vote for the green, and until the people start to realise and wise up, what they're actually fucking voting for. It's for these boys to fuck off on holidays and do this. And they're not even sitting in government. They've been in government for over 500 days and they're getting fucking paid for it. That's I would mad. like to see anybody and, and the rest of the world fucking that happening. You know, 500 but days having to be government. Fair, I, I'm not fair, but to be fair, all these politicians <laughs> everywhere are fucking having a <laughs> yeah, jolly. Yeah, yeah. They're fucking too good for too, too long, see, man. that's it. Um, there's, there's, there's guys, there's, there's councillors I know that don't even put an expense, uh, their expenses. Because they just think that's ripping. They're getting paid forty fucking mm-hmm. grand a year. Aye. You know, forty forty grand a year can't keep you. You know, you have to fucking put on expenses for going on a business trip to London or whatever. You know, that should be good at your fucking dough. You know, uh, regardless mm-hmm. of, of your forty grand a year. Fuck me, I wish I could earn it. Yeah. I'm, I need to make it as a DJ struggling to get <laughs> fucking six grand a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and then they're cutting. They're cutting all like 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 the fucking mental health stuff, and they're not giving a fuck about. Um, disability people with disabilities, like uh, my two stepsons of autism, and they both lost their their benefits at one point because why? 
because the fucking government in Northern Ireland says, all oh, right, they can, they have autism, uh, right, that's not, bring them in, give them an interview, ask them fucking some stupid questions that they, they, just, they feel that they need to answer correctly, you know, uh, before they can... Uh, so anyway, they, they fucking they, did, they didn't give one of the, the young guys the, the, his benefit, man, and um, basically it just goes to show you they haven't a fucking clue. Cause the yeah, guy, and they're sitting there coining it. The wee guy's got autism, you know what I mean? Uh, but a fucking lovely wee guy, Dean. Like you know, I'm, I shouldn't maybe be talking about his personal stuff on the Maybe cut that out. But yeah, I'm just getting getting into the fact that Northern Ireland is a great fucking place. We just need to weed out all these fucking politicians that's just done it for themselves. It's the same way anywhere. Uh, Scotland's probably uh, the same. Of course, mate. I know nothing about Scottish politics, you know, because it's fucking <laughs> it's bad, bad enough having to fucking deal with your own across yeah, the border, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I so getting back to sunnier times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so yeah. But if you if you want, we can cut any bits. Again, I cut cool, cool. Or keep cut it, it or whatever. Cut, 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 cut a lot. Start again. <laughs> right. So you're in. You're in. Um, Kelly's. You're getting resident. You're feeling your yeah. way. You're becoming. You're becoming. The, the DJ you're becoming who you are ah yeah what are the tracks that's Ooh. sticking out in your mind from, from that time you've, you've, you're DJing alongside Carol Cox other guests yeah you're, you're crafting I'm seeming to look back at them it is kind of a blur um, certain nights are a blur you know I, I, certain tracks are a fucking blur I, I think maybe the best way to answer that question would be to what were the tracks that when I was raving to and they were all like big piano builders um, obviously it was coming from Italy mainly um, you had all the stuff from DFC you had all the stuff on yeah, fucking all their labels <laughs> I can't there's remember so many amazing labels <laughs> <laughs> I've got the MP3s <laughs> I used to see my collection of MP3s hello oh, see you later bye Oh, that's a miss. It's just away. <laughs> what are we going to do now? Yeah, that's it. Let's get the gear off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your clay's off. I'm only joking. <coughs> it is quite hot in here right enough. Aye. Just, hey, undo that blouse. <laughs> <laughs> you've got plenty of money. You've got fucking heating anyway. You've got to come over our way, man. Freeze for a while. <laughs> uh, you fucking write your name in your breath. <laughs> Ray. And then it just stays there in a puff. <laughs> Mark throws over my name there. <laughs> Cheers, pal. <laughs> Playing ball with it. <laughs> so sorry, man. I'm sorry, I keep getting fucking sorry. On the tunes, on the tunes. The tunes, yeah. Uh, Gary Josh, Freaky Dreamer. Would have been a fucking big track. Um, He's an R1, we'll play two of them. Yeah. Um, Rio Grande, Touch and Go, Ethereum Without Words. All these tracks that Chris was playing that nobody could fucking get a hold of. He was getting them from somewhere and we couldn't get I couldn't get them. As soon as I get into the record shop, I'm like, I'm fucking cataloging number of that and I'm bringing 50 of that and I'm bringing 50 yeah. of that and I'm uh, selling that. You know, um, the, the, the Italian scene was, was a big influence in the early rave days in Northern Ireland. Um, it then progressed from that to like the harder beats. You know, I, I remember the first time I heard Ultrasonic Obsession. 
Philip Patrick, a guy brought in 50 copies. He came in and proclaimed himself as the white label king of Belfast. That's how he introduced himself to me that day. I'm like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, big hairy man. (laughs) I'm Ray, the guy behind the decks here. What do you want? So, 50 copies of Obsession. Boom, out that day. Ordered another 50. Boom, fucking sold them as well. The B-side was uh, Annihilating Rhythm, was it? No, React. React, that's what it was. Uh, Two tracks, I think it was uh, React and Amnesia. Was that yeah, two weeks enough? Yeah. Uh, B-side ravey tracks. And that was in club scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Club scene, yeah, I remember getting that. Fuck knows how many white labels he sold. They probably told us only about 50. Well, no, no, I don't think he came in with white labels. He came in with actual copies. Ah, okay. Um, I'll tell them that now, Philip. Thanks, <laughs> mate. <laughs> but, but, yeah, um... Yeah, then you started probably around around the 93 you started to see the change in the music music became a wee bit more aggressive a wee bit more harder faster Um, I remember some of the harmonies I was playing stuff at 160 fuck that's fast Bonsai kind of stuff no this was just before the Bonsai King thing kind of kicked in Will, um, we play, will we play a couple of tracks that you, the Tallow stuff oh, and then yeah, come yeah, back yeah, and yeah, then talk about the next I no problem you
to choose for you back then but what I always remember about coming over and playing when the twos were on the same lineup is all and I genuinely I'm not just I've told you this before and you, and you, you laugh it off but I always look forward to your sets because one of the great things about going to Ireland and this was before I started even getting to sort of Germany is DJs actually you Aye. were embracing that full sort of European bonsai sort of harder sort of ha- harder trance kind of thing yeah. when when too many clubs especially in Scotland were get, just getting bogged in with hardcore everybody was doing yeah. the same thing I think I think what happened across and uh, across through was like the scene split from like everything becoming under one roof until right now you can go to just go to a house night or now it's a hardcore night or now it's a trance night or you know all that came in a a wee bit too quick for me I think Um, I just enjoyed listening to everything under the one night but there there was a turning point within probably the end of 93 where I was playing more labels like Bonsai and uh, Noom and No Respect and Time Unlimited and Frankfurt Beat and mm-hmm. all that stuff was fucking amazing because we were getting it in promo. You're getting up front in the record shop. Six, six months. The, this, this, no, this, the record shop was shut ah, by okay. that time. You're still getting promos to your door. Still getting promos from my door. My right. dad would shout out, Raymond, there's another one of them square things. <laughs> Aye, Dad. <laughs> That's it, man. I'll be down for it in 15 minutes. <laughs> but they used to get maybe 20 things a week and like we were playing that stuff by the time. We had finished playing it. It was only coming out in general release. Brilliant. We had done our work with it. It must have been amazing to be getting all fucking up front. Great. I mean, I mean, Belters. I mean, I mean getting like the copy of Blue Peter sent me a copy of... Um, Such a lovely guy. I've not seen Elevator, him. Ages. Elevator Shinny. You know uh-huh. I played it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye, well, what a fucking tune, man. White label, mate. sent it over me and I could not wait to get the Kelly's ass out and he fucking dust that thing off. And I wasn't going to... I was playing on the Thursday, I was playing on the Friday, but I, want, I didn't want to play it out. I wanted to save it for Kelly's because... Excuse me, the reception you got on there was like a f- scoring a goal at a fucking football match. Uh, uh, and it won it? Once you dropped a, a track. So even like the first time hearing it, what was the reaction? Just fucking blew the roof off? Blew the roof off. Uh, and even for maybe a, a couple of weeks after that there. Oh, sorry. I was that microphone again. I had it to ruin my knees there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> along with my tits. <laughs> uh, the... Fuck, I, where was I now? 
the shimmy track. Ah, shimmy track. You kept it. Kept it for for until a Saturday night, and then it just said, uh, "Hello, off oh, Fuck, is it Frank the Wolf? <laughs> Frank. Recording a podcast and the wife phones. I <laughs> <laughs> ah, sorry, man. Sorry. Shimmy so Elva. I kept that then for a couple of a couple of nights before I, 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 I beat it out in Kelly's, and it got such a. A response. Um, first time. The first time out, because uh, it was it was really bang on for what we were doing at that time. We were doing that hard trance thing, the whole the baby dock and the M zones and the you know the cosmic baby yeah. and all that really really bought the bonsai stuff as well, which came bonsai progressive, bonsai green, and then you did bonsai jumps, which the bonsai jumps is more probably. Cared or tailored towards happy hardcore, but without the happy sort of aye, it was happy, but it wasn't cheesy. Aye, aye, aye. You know, all right, there were a couple of tracks like Belgium Rave and stuff like that were just made for fun, but always fucking rocked the disco with it. You know, you always like out there and went, Whoa, this track is fucking, it's just the whole build up to it. The one, two, one, two, three, four, the whole uh, Kelly's used to go mad for stuff like that. Um, it was just amazing to, to hear in a big system and watch yeah, you know I, I don't know how but Kelly's having a big system right enough back then it was probably one of the worst sound systems that I'd uh, ever played I, on I get any trouble didn't I for, for, but, but well, the thing no, about but, it is you were right it, you know you it, were done, right. It, 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 it did the job you Bye. know what I mean but I, I guess like anything back then, Ray, you could go, see so if it had an even better sound system, it would be uh, even better. But it, it, had, it had enough to make it what it, if, the th- the what it was. It back then too, there were sound limiters put on by the councils and stuff, yep. you know, and uh, if the crowd did, I remember Chris especially, whenever he was playing there, he got the fucking worst of it, the, the critter. Um, the crowd used to cheer and the fucking microphone was right above there, so the sound just got out, the e- decks just Wow, stopped. even with the crowd noise? Aye, just tripped. Wow. And the, they were just hearing he was standing going like that, and then the old fucking people were like, hey, the fuck you, Shra, yeah, yeah, dickhead. You know, it wasn't his fucking fault, it was the fucking council. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, that, that's, that's another here or there. But the energy in that... It was some place, man. I mean, so, so like, is, is your, your reputation and as a DJ is building and... It's building slowly, I um, I met up with Paul and Hector probably in 92 and I started doing stuff with them down in Donegal. Um, from that they went on and started the intelligence brand in, in mid-93. So that was kind of like creeping up and uh, slowly building a good reputation as promoters and they used to do all the tapes so like we used to do tape once a month and they give you a lot of pound for them then they were always selling them uh, obviously selling somebody else's fucking music by the way I didn't do that it wasn't me I just took the money but I mean uh, so you've still got your is it, was your residency every Saturday every Saturday was and then you're doing guest Kelly's, spots and then well the, 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 there, were, there would have been we had probably three residencies at that time we would have been residency uh, residence and uh, Hennessy's and then one on Cyan Mills and then the one in Eglinton and then Kelly's so we had about three or four residences man every week and it was good times the good times were rolling is that when you felt like I'm a fucking DJ well or did you ever or was you just too busy to realise I did actually think one time that wow this is this is the, the day after the, the Northern Ireland Dance Awards in 95 I won four awards or something don't know how the fuck that happened who I had to pay off to get that but <laughs> I mean, waking up the next morning, they were just lying beside my bed. 
I must have took him away with me. Headed <laughs> yeah, him and all. Give him all I mean. Oh, guy. Oh, go on. Best techno DJ. How are you this morning? <laughs> oh, hello. Look at you. Best happy hardcore DJ. Are you well? Oh, look. There he is himself. The big overall Irish DJ himself. <laughs> the best of the best. No, oh, bollocks, mate. I think that was the whole thing, man. The whole award stuff to me was never fucking... I gave majority, majority of all my awards away to like people who was into them more than I was. I was the same. Uh, excuse me, give me one. <laughs> I'll take no, it. I just made the ones myself. Nah, gave them myself. But we, we were the same. Like, if you go, uh, you can, uh, it almost cringes at some of the award uh, things. Yeah. As soon as we would get it, just get something in the front row because uh, that's, what, that's what it was all about. Get it too. It's only been more recently within the last 10 years that I've, the ones that I had, I never really had up. I've two up now, but just in my, my, my studio, one either side of where I sit. Um, it's only two kept. Um, the rest I gave away to a guy that took me to DJ in America, took him over one, another guy who collected all my fucking tapes and buys all my t-shirts, kind of him another one. I think they mean more to people than they do to me, because at the end of the day, they're, for, for what for what they were back then, I mean, waking up that, going, go, fuck, wow, this is brilliant. You yeah. know, fucking just won that. And, you know, I, I never let it get go to my head. But you did think to yourself, wow, this is fucking good. You know, it's, I suppose it's good to be appreciated for the mm. hard work because, uh, you know, it's no all fucking champagne cocaine. It's no like fucking bright lights. And, hey, it, there is a downside, it's, man, it's, as a graft. Far, it's far from it. You know, the DJing world is far from it. And anybody, unless you're fucking right up there with the guys that's charging 100,000, they're the guys that's probably going, hey, yeah, this is fucking good. I'm going 100 grand a gig. <laughs> We're big race fucking going to our cell and over can he drive fucking has to get his mate to take him somewhere to play for 300 grand grand hi fucking hopefully that's I'm getting the night well <laughs> <laughs> 300 classic granders um, <laughs> you know that, a lot of the fucking times after oh, the Kelly thing came done the Kelly thing then it cut it shut the whole uh, council get involved. Ah, there was a big backlash. It was like Dilly. all across the UK as well, wasn't that it? It happened everywhere. It wasn't just people stopped listening to hardcore and started listening to house music. Um, that that was coming in anyway because the house guys, it was like, oh, we went nothing to do. We playing the hardcore gigs. It's too fucking and too much for us. These super clubs are starting super to clubs started, but Kelly's became lush. Um, so within a space of like two months, Okay, we had all the residencies ticking on that, but I remember sort of maybe creeping up maybe into about 97 when things had left intelligence. Um, after the whole bouncer thing and shot at and stuff, I thought, this just isn't for me um, because I could have been standing out chatting to them two guys. Um, any night that I was there, football, one of them was a Spurs fan, the other one supported Man United. I was a Liverpool fan. I still am. Go on. <laughs> um, but, and what's just uh, somebody's fucking kilt? Yeah, somebody somebody shot the guy outside the fucking in retaliation for uh, somebody else being killed, like a tit for tat sort of thing. And that was in September, I think ninety seven. So I give that the bye ball. I started fucking uh, basically two weeks later. I, I walked into another job as, as a DJ and a, and a local, and I thought, right, that's this is me now. My the whole big fucking room thing is gone. I uh, just had to stick to the, the club and so I remember one night or I was at work one day in, in the meat plant that I worked in the slaughterhouse I was just killing cows all day 
Um, I didn't really. I was <laughs> just packed them nicely and sent them on their way and two burgers and stuff. But um, getting a telephone call and that's how you guy got the end of it. was in Yum. It was a club promoter or a club owner or a fucking bar owner in a place called Castle Dirk. And he goes, uh, uh, can I book you for this Friday night? I'm like, Jesus, Sammy, it's a wee bit. So, you know, soon he goes, Oh, I have you in the paper since last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks very fucking much. I so, uh, no fucking time. I have to go and do it now. So, uh, I got my wee mate Carson to take me up. Like, um, fucking, I mean, it's, it's like a 70 mile trek to get to the fucking place. Like, fucking pull up outside it. No activity about it at all. Went round the back end of the bar, walked into the bar. His fucking face went white and went, Ah, uh, uh, was it not next week I booked you for? I'm like, I tell you what, give me fucking my money now and get me fucking never dark on my door again. So, as we were coming up the road for me to fucking travel, I mean, all the buses were coming down to go to Kelly's. Buses upon buses coming from Sturban or Anniskillen mm-hmm. or Cookstown. We were passing them on the way, you know, so six months before or fucking three, two months before that, uh, that they were coming down to fucking hear DJs like me and the boys people yeah. like yourself. Now that's all gone. I mean, get down that road that night, man, feeling fucking so disheartened. I was crying. My mate fucking Kaz was like, ah, you're all right, man. I think I'll pick up. At that point, I was like, ah, fuck the AGN. I just want nothing to do with it anymore. It brought me, you know, it took me to places and then just because somebody else didn't like what I was doing, fuck him. He's gone. Ah, he's away now, you fucking... Which, I mean, you could have quite easily adapted. Totally could have adapted. moved into... Never again, wasn't given the chance. And and again, it's... there's still a bit of the new. It's kind of like you're, you're. It's very much you were the forefront of the music you were playing. Yeah. They just quite right. We need to make a, a clean cut. You know, you he's see, he's I, in with I, that. I, I, totally, know, I, totally think under, like that. I totally understood that. I really did at that time. Whenever they did make the decision, I knew eight months before anybody else because Colin told me basically. He said, "Listen, the place is going to be. Uh, I'll be running this place next year." I didn't tell nobody. I kept that to myself. Coming in November, then we were, we were we were pulled in. Big Alan pulled us in and said, "Listen, guys, things aren't going too well with the police and blah blah blah." They knew what they were doing eight months before that. Uh, they had no need to try and fucking butter up any other way. And do you remember your last gig at Kelly's? Yeah, the last gig at Kelly's was ninety New Year's Eve ninety five. Fuck, was that an yeah, emotional one for you? Totally. Me and Side done like uh, the last hour and a half, probably um, together. And then we played. Uh, uh, what do you call it Ultracynic not yourselves uh-huh. Ultracynic nothing lasts forever that's our last track and fucking people were crying people were just walking about even the punters know yeah. that's the last night as well I thought Fuck, every, everybody right, knew right. but no Kelly's had to say oh it's changing into a Sharon and Tracy club the political club still now all the same known rightly in the back that was happening that was going to be the, the, the new lush which then um all you wanted to do then was go play in Lush. That's that. You know, I, I, I waited 17 years for that telephone call. Um, I got that telephone call on the 30th of January. What year? 2012. Um, from Colin Hamilton, from Kelly's, saying, uh, listen, we're going to do an old school reunion. I was like, whoa. I was going to fucking say I was terminally ill for getting a gig after you. But... <laughs> That's <laughs> true, but you know, there were all these mats and I was over the years like, I wonder if I Because it really fast became a super club, didn't it? Uh, and Sound lights. The whole Lush Lush was just, if not better than Kelly's was. Like what Colin done we we we, we Lush back then was fucking unbelievable. Um 
some of the nights of that you heard from Radio One and stuff was in it. Yeah, the atmosphere they must have the atmosphere makes at every corner it mm-hmm. was just like oh my god this is like and you're fucking you'd crying been, inside ah you'd been there and seen that first hand you know I've been mean? there and seen it yeah but not it just seemed I think, I think it was like of, the rest of the world realised yeah, how fucking how, amazing it was how, how, how great a place how great a place Northern Ireland was man yep. the crowd the crowds in Northern Ireland like no matter where you went to if you went to like a fucking place with 60 people on it like a wee place in Marshalls and Simons, maybe 200 people on it. And they had a fucking stage, and they used to crack every time. And it was like somebody standing in a big clap. That's me, yeah. Uh, I, I, I even remember it was like I'd one of our first couple of tours in Northern Ireland. This should be like 92 or something. That's when you're in the army. Aye, aye. <laughs> you know, I was just over there. Salvation army. Make sure things were all right. And, uh, you know, like, guys like. Um, I'm sure like Billy Dunseith and Eddie Ray and stuff like that they would book us for like for a week aye. and I'd be like how the fuck are we going to do because I'm thinking Friday, Saturday, Sunday at max Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday aye, Thursday, yeah, Friday, Saturday Sunday night yeah. every night was fucking mm, rammed yeah. and having it it was even like a bank holiday or nothing yeah whereas now again I'm going back to where the the population there must have been a crowd population boom. because I noticed whenever we were at school and in our there was like seven classes there was like the smart class and then you're oh, fucking yeah. right down to the lowest of the low that I was in <laughs> which was A7 no I don't know what the fuck I was in but you've seen the years coming after that there maybe only been six classes and then the year coming after that maybe only been five classes and then the year coming out so by the time you'd reached fifth year where you're five, five or maybe seven classes in, in, in your year Durex sales were through the roof <laughs> until the first year who maybe had only four classes so you lost and that, that happened just not not by school it happened going to nightclubs people yep. going to bars people buying cars Everything. Everything, you know, it was a, it was a knock-on effect there, and I just need to get people out there and start getting more rabies out there at the minute. All right, please. Not none of my one. I've already got mine sold out. I sell my sperm. <laughs> <laughs> Details of which at the end of the podcast, if you want to buy. Totally, I. Big race spunk. <laughs> <laughs> DJ jizz, X jizz. There's a thing. How did you come up with the name X-Ray? Where did that come about? That actually happened in the record shop I was working in by uh, my my ex-wife's sister-in-law. Uh, this girl married uh, Sinead, call her. She, we were thinking the name, I was using the name Ray M for, because my name's Ray McLaughlin, obviously. Um, that Ray M thing was uh, sold out and then obviously... Uh, we were sitting one day and she was like, I was like, oh, maybe change my name. And she was like, why not use X-Ray? And literally, since she said that, I've been using it ever since then. That's you know, good, man. There has been a couple of DJs called X-Ray, but I've already got them sorted out. Ah, uh, you have killed I them. I got wee Lenny D, they sort one out in America. By the way, he stole my Instagram, the wee fucker. Did he? Uh, the DJ X-Ray guy, I. Basically, what he'd said was, can I have your name? He actually asked you to. Nah, like, can I have your name? I've still got the list, of, the, 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 the chat log. And I was like, ah, listen, man, I just want to keep it. So this went on for about six months. Oh, come on. Really, I, I could use this name better than you and all this shit. I'm like, ah, tell you what, give us £200 for it and you can have it. And basically, all I done was fucking took a, an underscore out of it, put it in behind the X, or put it in front of the X instead of fucking in behind the X. 
So the two hundred pound didn't fucking come. Anyway, um, because he's seen that I just swapped for any other thing about this. Mm-hmm. I still was DJ X-Ray as well. Um, so I, Lenny D, I sent him round to fucking kick his cunt in. <laughs> 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 we Lenny went round done it, no bother at all. And I, I had to throw him 200 for it. But I, if guys like that, the X-Ray thing, um, yeah, it's kind of stuck with me now. And it's kind of... Sometimes it's maybe a good thing to have me on a lineup, and sometimes that people go, "Oh fuck, X-ray, he's a hardcore DJ," you know. And fuck it, man, I can go and play anything. Yeah. Come and bass, house, techno, you fucking name it. I can, I can jump in it. I don't give a fuck. Like um, the trance, passion for music, type, still that's there. It, that's it. And I think that you kind of need that, and you see that lacking in some of the new guys at the minute. These ah, fucking. DJ now I'm fucking you know a couple of done a couple of gigs and he's running about there as if he's fucking Tiesto. Yeah, I mean what we, absolute fuck. We I, I've spoke to loads of DJs during this podcast and and what is missing is you know we've all done the graft playing the toilets mm. playing the shit ah, clubs yeah. to get to playing amazing mm. clubs. A lot of young kids are maybe just coming straight off the bat with their fifteen tracks out of Beatport. Yeah, and playing a fucking amazing club, amazing sound, amazing lights. Yeah. Without doing any homework, yeah, without doing any just happening overnight for Aye. them, you know. And in some senses, listen, if that happens to people, then that's cool. But you can't walk around thinking you're a fucking pioneer, yep. or you know, you've been to do something. You know, you've been there before. There's people trying to tend to make themselves. Some guys trying to make themselves as if they were from back in the day. Oh my god, right? Fucking never heard of you back in the day, son. Mm-hmm. You know, DJ Dollars country. What did you say you were praying from? You know, yeah. Just try to just tap into it, that fucking credibility. Yeah, plus a lot of people don't realise that, you know, fucking... There was flyers out from back then. You know, people collected flyers. They knew who was playing. Mm-hmm. They knew who was on the lineups. Yep. And that, that kind of... You kind of seen that boys coming in and go, oh, yeah, well, maybe I didn't play that club, yeah, but I played uh, such and such a place. And I'm like, fucking never heard tell of this. And these guys are just pan, trying to pan themselves I off. I just desperately try to claw into credibility, isn't yeah. it? So it's, it's so easy now to become a DJ in terms of buy a controller, get a computer, get your fucking top one, beatboard wander, boom, that's you, you're, you think you're short it. Where they don't really know about reading the crowd. And that's the places that I fucking play on a Friday night and stuff like that. But you cut your teeth. Yeah. You know right fucking songs halfway through and you've just emptied the dance floor you don't fucking follow that up with more of the same sort of stuff you fucking write away that empty something else that that's what's lagging I think you know and they're all out there and they're fucking playing um, just off a, a playlist you know they got that's my first track that's my second track that's my third track that's my fourth track what happens if fucking somebody's out there and some guys that's on before he's fucking played three of your yeah. songs what you do then you know, I've also had instances of, of, of young guys coming in and I'm like, well, I'm giving you a book in here, right, fucking, so I want you to play for an hour. Okay, get down and play for an hour. Doing well. I'm like, listen, play for an hour, 15 minutes. Like, I, I, I've only got an hour's worth of music. It's With mad, me. isn't it? It's crazy. Fuck off, son. And I've got USB sticks that can carry days worth of fucking just, tunes. Just last night, I said to one of the young guys, I was playing, I'm like, man, bring down your USB and, and, and we'll fucking have a bash with you. <laughs> That didn't sound right at all. <laughs> come down your USB and I'll bash you. No, bring down your USB and come on, play a tune of tunes. I half an hour later, he sent me back a message. Oh, I had a look for a USB there and can't find one. And I just thought, what? Oh, you know what? Stay in the house, son. That's <laughs> fucking mad, isn't it? Um, so uh, I do, I do a lot of work with a lot. Of, I do a lot of fucking promotion work for different places who are promoting young guys and. 
you know, someone's really dead on. Um, young guys, they, they want what I want. They want to fucking make it in, the, in this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they want what you want. Um, you've got a genuine passion and hunger for yeah, the music. Yeah, and then you've got other ones that just just out there looking the pump. Right. Looking a check and looking, you know, that's it. And I've seen so many of them over the years, man, come and go. Like, and I'm not mentioning any names, but I have seen ones that are just, they're just done it for a woman. They're just done it for that status. Look, oh, look, him, he's a DJ. Where I've fucking carred away from that in the past. Oh my God, somebody knows I'm a DJ. Oh, fuck, here we go. Especially in any job interviews. I would never have told anyone I would done a DJ. I was getting for a job and a wife. And then they would have found out, oh, you didn't tell me about the job interview. I'm like, sorry, I didn't think I needed to mention it. That was a fucking ex-rave DJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, um, that, that's, you know, that, that's too easy. It's too accessible now for, for young guys and, and like they can come into it as quick as they'll go at it. You know, with a flash in the pan. I've seen guys there coming in and going and making good stuff and maybe fucking getting their music into American Billboard charts and then fucking a year later they're gone. Aye. They're fucking away. They're, they're, they're now working in a factory. Because... What, the passion's no there or because the industry's a lot crueler now, do you think? Fucking cruel industry, man. You know, you're not you're not going to get a fucking cruel, cruel more industry than, than the yeah. music industry. You know, because it's it's not like fucking football or rugby or any sport games where it's all regulated. Dance music's not regulated. People can fuck you over and fuck the next boy over and fuck the next boy over and nobody can do a thing about it. Yeah, you're you absolutely know, right. That's true. So, you know, it's, you just fuck somebody over, ah, fuck him, waste the space, let him go. It's not the only industry where it's just like the fucking norm to screw it, somebody, in it? Just screw somebody and then just go that time and that's cool with other people. Ah, you get screwed fucking so many times, man, over the years where you want to get paid and just because the promoter had a bicker and fucking, uh, had a bicker or something against the promoter that was managing me I end up getting fucking shafted over the headset for why you know for, mm-hmm. for fucking somebody else having a you've turned up done a work man exactly so many times man over there so I just got down to the case over like that listen I'm fucking just going down basically and playing my local and that's where I'm going to play until 2002 until some of the old school rave scene things started to fucking come back out again and for the next 10 years then I started to just do the stuff with the guys from NA old school um, who brought the, the 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 old school scene back? Keith and all the guys brought the old school scene back to the forefront via a, a, a chat forum. Aye. you know, uh, which was great. I remember like maybe having to get up for work at six o'clock and then discovering NA old school, and then getting up maybe at half four. Just to get in about it, you know, before you go to your work, you know, and then when you come home. You do the exact same thing, and then before you know it, you're fucking too much into what's happening on a computer screen to what's actually happening in your own private life. Where you know I've, I've lost two partners over the heads of me being a DJ. Aye. Um, not because I was out fucking shagging or anything like that. It's just it was too much into doing what I was doing for me, uh-huh. selfish bastard. Just being. Uh, and, and but I that's seen, industry. Seen is. That, you're I've selfish seen in that myself, but I seen that. I call myself. I said, "That's fucking selfish. You need to go in there and sit with that girl." You know, like we're fucking married two years, like you need to be going in there and fucking rubbing her feet and turning over the TV for her and fucking making her uh, toasts and tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you Being there. But, yeah, but again, I've, I've never actually had to do that, you know, for any of my, my girlfriends. Like, and I've been very lucky that, that the, all the breakups I've ever had through music were all, all decent breakups you know mm. if you can have that you know I still speak to my ex-partners because I've got children to them blah 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 
nobody's kind of sees that side of it. they think as you say it's all fucking champagne and cocaine fuck never had champagne and cocaine on the same night <laughs> <laughs> ever uh, but I mean there is a downside and there is a sacrifice you know you, you're just you're just you could, I mean you're just that you could say selfishly but another word maybe mm. is you're passionately focused on fucking yeah. what you're doing and subsequently everybody close to you around about you is the ones that suffer yeah oh fuck big time and you can only see, I, I seen it happening even before I was being a DJ I seen it happening to other guys through the years that they've been in the music scene and mm. you know they're just f- totally focused on what they want to achieve and their private life suffers their family life suffers they're not there for my father um, he used to go away for two months of the year to on tour um, not that this was just his normal day his day job who where he was a field inspector for the Minister of Agriculture used to go out and sample all the fields and send all the things for testing blah 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 that was his job Um, but he used to go away a couple of weeks at a time so that was for my mum who was there rearing five of us you know on her own while he was away in Newcastle County Down maybe 90 mile away or something like that he it's a it's a a struggle for any sort of job I'm not just saying it happens in the music world you can be too focused on your job fucking working in quick fit and still lost your bird just try to get a balance in it which is a hard hard thing especially in the two wheels at the front <laughs> Especially if you got a unicycle. I mean, fucked. Like Penny Furthen. But I mean, so you've always just kept grafting with a DJ, and it's. I think it's it's what's good about it now is you can look back and go. I'm fu- I fucking did that and you can enjoy it for what it was because yeah. you don't really get the time to enjoy it when you're in it yeah. and then that's maybe what makes these sort of old school events that they both his day totally so enjoyable because you, you, you've you got the time to enjoy ah, that moment see, kind that, of thing that, look that, forward to it that's something now that you, you never think back in hindsight you never think back of even enjoying the nights that you had 25 years ago because yep. you were you, you were all like I'm not right I can't fuck up or you know you're right to do a certain job at night and you never got the time to enjoy it Half the time, I never even looked up at the crowd. You just focus on. Lay down. Excuse me. It's up to nineteen eighty four, mate. <laughs> repeating me. It's good, hey. After twenty three years. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, I, uh, getting back to the whole private life thing, yeah. My two relationships were just barely fucking down to fucking up over the heads of me being out DJing every weekend not being there for when I should have been there maybe not coming home whenever I should have been coming home living a party life for a while um, and uh, you, you, you regret I regret some of the stuff now that, that that's happened um, I regret not being there for my son most of the time um, whenever we, we split me and his mum split up even though like he was with me at times and I think maybe it's because I took him out at an early age so much because I didn't get to see him so much so I was like fucking oh let's go to Planet Love and yeah, he thought at 13 years of age let's go to Planet Love you're, the, cool, you're the coolest guy ever ah, totally, you, you were the, I want being to be the pals cool ah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally and I still got that relationship with Jordan you know I ring him up he's living in Australia now and we ring up and shoot the shit with each other man for fucking an hour and then say right damn away here right son all the best um I just wish I had been about a wee bit more for him. It's I've hard him to do everything, man. I've, I've, I've told him this before as well. And my daughter as well, Cassie. Um, 
she's very anti-dramatic, her uh, drama and dancing and singing and stuff like that. Obviously, doesn't take after me because I can't sing. I can, but um, I do. I have found a lot of some of the bad stuff that maybe I thought I've done, and people I've kind of got that all out of me by writing poetry. Why? Why? I didn't know this. I well, I've been doing it maybe the last five or six years, and maybe write maybe two or three poems a year, and based on stuff that's happened to me and then stuff is just like no it's not happened to me I'm, I'm writing stuff about the second world war I'm writing stuff about such and such and uh, I think the first poem I wrote was called Temple of Dreams would you like me to say that? good name are we going to get a recital? Fucking right you are let's do it <clears throat> as we stroll hand in hand across this bed of broken sand and walk towards a temple on the hill as I turn to see you smile I brush the hairs that hide your eyes and wonder if I ever will I pinch myself because it's not real to be so close to you and feel the tender loving warmth of your kiss. I try and hold that picture near so that you don't disappear into the darkening shadows of the mist. I look around and you are gone, my dream it seems to have moved on and daylight's come and been all but too soon. I try and count a trillion stars while taking in some sights on Mars but Jupiter has lost his diamond moon. I wake to sounds of winds and rain praying that you fall back again into the constellations of my dream. I look around, but all I find is glowing embers locked in time in the footprints where we once stood. Man, yeah, that was fucking mega. <laughs> uh, Are you fucking with me right now? <laughs> no, I wrote that. That's the first poem I ever wrote. That's great, man. And I think I've done about 40 or 50. There's a lot of rom-comments there stuff. There's a lot of fucking romantic stuff. There's a lot of serious stuff. There's stuff I wrote about my daughter... Stuff about my ma, my da, Good. stuff yet. Therapy, man. Ther it totally is. And it kind of got me out of that sketch where I was beating myself up because I wasn't being the best that could have been. And I could have probably fucking went on further than what I did in DJ. And if I had a focused a wee bit more, and on, again, I was very lazy too, I would have fucking talked myself out of a gig. I would have talked myself out of a job because I maybe wouldn't been confident enough. I still, at times, would think, oh, fucking hell, am I even good enough to be even asking him for a gig? Um, a lot of that's personal. I don't know whether it's because the upbringing that I had was, was, was great, a great family life, but the whole circle of fucking bullying thing at school sort of got me as well. I lost probably about three years of my education because I was being bullied and mm -hmm. I didn't want to go to school and I didn't want to fucking... So I, in life, anybody who's dealing with bullies in life, you just need to confront that bully. No matter if you fucking take a slap, if you show any fear at all to any bully, they're on you. If you fucking hit back, they'll leave you alone. Again, that's a total different thing from what we're talking about, but again, there's a lot of stuff, poetry and stuff I wrote about school. Um, I needed to get that out of me, Aye. the whole school thing, because that had kind of mentally scarred me. Well, it's a good way that you've got a, you've got a vent to get all these things out because you know, some people if you don't, don't that's, what, that's what leads to fucking yeah, totally. the big black dog, doesn't yeah, it, man? Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, but I can I could walk down. I remember like confronting my bully one time at school and fucking hitting him with a, a TJ Hooker bat. Which was no TJ Hooker fucking American police bats. I brought that especially for him at school. So I'll give him a couple of digs at but we fucking six, seven years later, fucking end up at a party 
just after tracks along with the guy. He's like, turned up. Oh, God. And he's sitting there with his chin up around his ears, fucking saying how sorry he was. You know, they were only kids, which is true. Yeah. We were, we're, everybody we're, needs to grow up, man, yeah, innit? Yeah, everybody. And uh, I just, at them time, like, schools in the East were a fucking concrete jungle. No yeah, yeah. Were, no matter who you were you were going to fucking get some sort of fucking divvy and you know somebody was going to get, have their go at you no matter who you fucking were like through school especially in, in Northern Ireland too like where we had like we didn't have mixed schools we were girls and boys or, or, or it, was, it was like Protestant boys school or Protestant girls school or a Catholic girls school or a Catholic boys school you know that I thought was fucking wrong Mm-hmm. You know, for a start, you know, they were fucking segregating people. Yeah. You know, so. And sheep pens almost, ah, it? You know, so, so, plus then, you know, you were, how are you meant to even go about approaching a girl if you were segregated from them that much? You know, mm-hmm. how are you meant to, like, you know, meet your wife if you're all the all boys school? Yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying there? As a youngster, that goes through your head. How the fuck we're talking about this, I don't know. <laughs> It's, 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 it's just great having this conversation, man. But, but then again, would that contribute to why the rave scene was so special? Because yeah, all, all, sure all, all these all these segregations, yeah. religion, male, female, yeah. everything, it's all broke down and people are just together. As soon as, soon as people got that first taste of Kelly's for me, I was like, you never look back, you yeah. didn't care fucking who you were what yeah. you were what you were brought up with I didn't I didn't care about that it's just you were a person then and you were down and raving you were down fucking loving the music and that's to me made made, made you something you know, and I think that stays with you for the rest of your ah, life does, of course it? it does of course it does um, there's so many times there, there's so many great nights man that you can just back and go wow I wish I could relive yeah. that one night you know just I can older songs for it was a first start you know the guy popping his head in through the roof had fucking had, had just you know, kicked his way in through a fucking specific roof and then it was in, it was just his head in and then all of a sudden his body comes in uh, uh, it was a fucking down, pouring of bodies ten, ten foot drop on top of fucking people coming down into the to, to the club I remember um, that when you invited me back to a night that you were doing in Kelly's, maybe 2013 or something. Uh, 2012, maybe it was. 2012. And you were like, that's fucking me. And you sent me the videos of one you'd done previous. And I was just going, fucking hell, man. It's, uh, it's, it's there. The energy's mm, back, man. Uh, it definitely was. And, and then I played and I, f- I bust out great. I, just, I didn't even control. Just fucking. Your, your, first, your first song, man. Was it? Did it, 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 did for a fucking split second. I know, man. I, I, even, I was, even watching I was, back the video. Just, I was back there and, and, and even that song, I, I wrote that on, on a keyboard in my lap in my bed when I was staying at my man Daz. <laughs> Everything just went Boom, whack. Fuck you. And I was just like, holy. F-, and it just overcome my emotion. I, even and you just, gave us a big hug and we were just know, like, fuck, I, man. I know, this was a. I, I, I wasn't the fact that I knew that. There was loads. There was loads of people coming up from Dublin that night as well. They see you as well. There must have been a bus of forty people, which is very rare. That you'll get that. Um, and I mean, all the guys, Sen and Short, and all them guys were all up. Uh, I think maybe been a joint stag do as well. But they, I was just looking down at the crowd, man, and this whole place was just a sea of like everybody was just going fucking nuts. They were all young they didn't again. Care, man, totally young again. And just seeing, just watching that video clip a couple of weeks ago again, man, I was like. 
brilliant because it would be great to see that whole video. Have you got the whole video with that night, Dylan Kelly's? I'm, I'm sure Paul Double Vision's going at somewhere, man, isn't he? That would be great. If I, I thought he'd maybe fucking thing. made a tape up for you. No, you no, see him night. Just, I've just seen the what I call. I've just seen the the basically the wee clip. Clips. Up, was it him and a clip or something? Uh, he he, he, don't, he usually films the full fucking night. I know. Night, that, that's I said. There's bound to be. Lo- I know Paul's got loads of old footage from Kelly. Even for back in the day, he hasn't even brought it yet. Yeah. You know, he's, he's waiting on that special time, or somebody's going right. There's a hundred grand. Uh, <laughs> as, as time goes on, all that because it's worth it. You know, uh, it just becomes it. even more magical. Um, I mean, and that's and again, just to to, to wrap everything up. You know what? Was that right? You're kicking me out. And you, uh, <laughs> even going back when you were, the, I, I remember having Bebo. <coughs> And you were the first guy that booked Azure Bebo. Ah, yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, what the fuck? Yeah, booking for Bebo, man. Uh, Bebo, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, and then, you know, you got us back out of the, the old school hanging. But we'd done like gigs, uh, loads of gigs years, yeah. over the yeah. years together. But I think what's good about it now, and we were at the noon, what I try to do with 1994 is just day and night full of people that you want to be about. Uh, yeah. There's no any assholes yeah, there. Aye. Backstage and in front of the stage, yeah. it's just a great vibe, it's you know what I mean? Vibe, man, Nobody's yeah. just turning up for the wage. It, it's it, for the it, night. It was my best gig last year, man, doing doing the 1994 night because just getting out uh, your your whole routine of playing Northern Ireland all the time, getting out to come over here, people's like you're dropping tunes there and the crowd's going mad it's the fucking best feeling in the world gives you a, rem- a reminder oh, yeah, of a, a fucking goosebumps, a goosebumps. just thinking about it again like it's not really often I guess goosebumps goosebumps <laughs> get your teeth out and say that again <laughs> <laughs> but I mean look forward to this tonight I mean this isn't going to come out until a couple of weeks but tonight raise over to play 1994 Energy Rush you get a peak time set <sighs> even for me I'm buzzing Looking forward to this tonight. <laughs> Excellent, man. That, that that's so good to hear for me. Like uh, because like I, I kind of looked at whenever you booked me to do the what I call. I was like, wow, that gave me a wee bit of a jolt over through the same whenever people booked me to play in Ibiza or America or wherever the fuck I'm going. Um, that gives you a wee raise it I'm not saying it raises you above the rest I, I, personally speaking for your attitude it gives you a bit of a level lift up you know going right aye, this is cool and that's why the last time I came over to do that I was coming out there and I was fucking there was no other way I was coming out there all around just trying to rock the show I'm not saying I did rock the no, show no you did man I you did try, try and, at least you're fucking putting in your effort of trying it's the same way yesterday I was chatting about doing all the, the digital stuff you know and getting on I'm like ah oh, fucking hell now I can can I actually just relax Enjoy even more. Aye, uh, what's what's this great man? And uh, listen, there's no better buzz than coming over to somewhere different and and playing and getting a great on that crowd, man. We're fucking here we, here we, here we fucking go. I'm like, what? What? This is fucking amazing. So I was like, join them. They're all pulling it down off their last man, and they were kind of feeling you were vibing off the crowd Mm -hmm. and. Uh, as, as, as times like that are special and that, that'll live with me for fucking years and years man that we that, that gig man you know, there's one of those ones over the years that you can say oh, that was a fucking that was a belter gig. that was a brilliant gig you know and hopefully tonight tops it for you I would say so man again I'm I'm going down the same route as I did the last time I can throw three tunes out there and feel, feel my vibe and, mm-hmm. and take it from there as, uh, this is just before we end it and it's the worst question to be asked but I'm just going to ask you my is there a couple of gigs 
that you would go that's the best gig I've, is there anyone I hate getting asked it because you, you'll see it and then a couple of weeks or days later you go no I should have said this what's, what's the gig that's coming to your head then now is one that sticks out is one of your highlights of your career probably going to America um, meeting JJ who I met through the website uh, NIA Old School and basically a guy from Enniskillen called Darren McMillan took tapes of mine over to Atlanta, Georgia 1993 stayed as an exchange student um, met this guy called Jerry Ellis who later became a DJ but became a DJ through listening to my tapes tapes, wow that was a story that that will fucking always stick with me because he he signed up to NIO school and I sent my private message saying where about you from in the States mate and he just wrote back man a fucking thousand words about how you get into music and through my tapes and my cutting up mixing and stuff and I'm like ah, no way somebody's taking a piss out of me here mm-hmm. so I thought big Ben man and them boys is fucking at me here for a bit of crack but I said to him oh, where about you live or give me your address man so I googled it fuck there you go there's the address it was a real person <laughs> yeah it was a real person and I always see 303 everywhere don't know what the fuck it means to me my dad passed away at 303 uh, that was that was one of the craziest ones. Um, I see it in the car, the buses, just to see. And it could be like one, two, six, three, o oh, three. Always yeah, yeah. Just pick out three, o oh, three. And the actual place where he lived in Georgia was as as as, as put as what well, area code was three o three o three. Fucking hell! Fucking believe it. The flight I was getting on ended in three o three. The whole fucking thing was just 303, 303. So got got basically there to America. Never met these guys before. Only spoke to him on the telephone. Uh, a couple of Skypes maybe from time to time. And they treated me like a fucking lord. I was so humbled by how they were like, guys were giving me, guys were in the American Air Force and stuff were giving me like patches off as well. I go, hey man, take that back home with you. People bring me presents. Wow. I could not go on. Because your there. tapes meant so much to him growing yeah, up. Totally. And, and the guy who listened to the tapes had talked about fucking 20 other DJs and they were all there performing and they were coming up going, oh man, can I? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my are you serious? Can I get my photograph took with you? And, and can you can you sign this? And can you sign that? And fucking hell, a wee bit surreal for me. Just coming out from Northern Ireland and going, ah, this will be good. Till actually, the club, blown away. The club, the fucking sign outside the club. It was a hundred foot in the air with a fucking screen saying DJX Northern Ireland on it. Couldn't believe I've got photographs and all to get. Whoa, well, I am there for the Grand Wings. <laughs> 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 Things like that. That, that was one of the most memorial gigs that was ever stuck in my mind because the people that were there that night that came out it was actually for your guy's retirement party he'd actually been there and done it and retired and, and made a good name for himself in the southeast. Um it was just like it's amazing that he's dug back to yeah. you the guy that got him into it yeah and, and, and your and tapes have started yeah. this scene there so I, I returned a favour for him I brought him over to play Kelly's a couple of years ago which totally blew his mind I was going to say I blew it because he he basically Kelly's was his mecca of dance music he'd been in, always talked about places like nowhere, nowhere else in the world but Kelly's Kelly's Portrush and that's what he was like telling people you just want to hear these tapes from Kelly's Portrush Kelly's Portrush and then until I actually brought him over um, 2015 and uh, watched him walk with a few other people into Kelly's for his first time place was fucking packed out it was that Harmony reunion and I mean like he was just buzzing 
got him on. I could only because of set times I'd be all shut down. I got, got him on for fifteen minutes, man. And best fifteen minutes of his life. Fifteen minutes of life. He said he can now die happy. JJ's great guy. I still talk to him all the time. Um, good friends with him now. Like, um, but that was probably the the, the pinnacle for me. Would have been like going to America. Brilliant. People paying your way across. Now. Aye. <laughs> I mean, uh, I look on behind me and all said, hey, where's Jeremy Beadle at? <laughs> hey, come on now, just come out now and fucking tell me. Hey, good one, you got me. Aye. You got me. But no, it was great. And, and uh, it took me back four times. Brilliant. The America. Actually, he took me back and then three other different promoters took me in different succession times. And Excellent. That, like, and I just go across, man, and just go, wow, fucking crazy. Just enjoy it, man. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the best thing the best advice you ever give to anybody as a DJ starting out is enjoy what you do and never get above your fucking station never think you're better than somebody else yeah. because there's always somebody who's going to be better than you someday and that's when you'll feel the fucking brunt of it you'll feel the brunt of you being fucking ah listen I'm too good for this place I'm too good for that place. yeah I would fucking play in your back garden that's the truth if you want to get, get the next one I'll play <laughs> um, but you still get the buzz I, to do that man I, you know I what I mean it's something that's never left me um, even through the dark times um, it's always something there spurring me on they say you know what a gig in Kelly's will always spurred me on you know even a thought a whim of a gig in Kelly's would have spurred me on until actually the call came and I bounced around that living room that day and Amanda will tell you like it was the fucking happiest smile in my face yep. and I even fucking took it down to it was 7,011 days that's how fucking hell. <laughs> That's wow, how aye, aye. You had day to me last day. You know, it's not that I fucking count. I'm obviously I've done the mathematics after that with a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> scrapes in your wall. <laughs> <laughs> Just scrapes the whole way around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kelly, Kelly's would have been, you know, second in that list. Um, because it was out there week in, week out, seen so much thing happen, so many great experiences, some great nights and great uh, acts who came over and uh, met people like yourself, people like Lenny D and Carl Cox, um, team probably named the most famous DJ in the world. Like he gave me his telephone number at one point, like and I was like ringing him up on maybe the Tuesday, and his wife Rachel answered. Oh, I am fucking holding the microphone over here. <laughs> His wife, Rachel, answers. She goes, hello. I'm like, it's Carl there. She goes, who's speaking? I'm like, it's, it's Ray here from Northern Ireland, from Kelly's. And basically all I was doing was ringing up to say, have, you, you, have, you, have you any promos? Oh, on the plan, yes. I'm like, all right, Carl. Ah, oh, you doing, Ray? I'm like, oh, my God. Carl Cox, never on. Carl Cox, on the book. Oh, my God. And I rang him for my own mobile phone. It cost me £1,800 that month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. That's brilliant I mean it's been absolutely brilliant talking about your journey through music stick a fork I mean I'm done <laughs> <laughs> no it's been an absolute pleasure ah, it's man. been Thank brilliant you very man. much and I really can't forward look, to, look forward to tonight I really if, can't look forward to tonight or you, I'm looking forward to tonight I don't even fucking know you need to get arrested anyway before uh, tonight hopefully I don't get arrested uh, <laughs> if anybody's trying to find you online where are they going Aye, on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> what about any? You might have fling down any fucking WWs or whatever? Aye, uh, just search me, uh, Mixcloud or uh, what do you call it? I'm on Facebook and what do you call that other one? The Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> fucking hate Instagram. Twitter. Hate Twitter. I don't like Twitter. Instagram. Hate Twitter because it's just fucking people just moaning about fucking everything yeah. that's all it is it's just a fucking moan drone you, see, you get the same face but at least you can fucking just like bypass that and say right unfollow that fucking prick he's like 
you know, yeah. or the whole relationship status in Facebook. And the madness. In a relationship now with, and then two weeks later, in the relationship now with, fuck off. Madness. Get married. Back to the beats, man. Pick a couple of tunes to play as out, or do you want to just keep it, how I think about it, and then we'll put them down, or do you get one? I, uh, yeah, one track I would like to put out would be Gian, uh, Inveo, Savarin. You call it, at least I think that's what it's fucking called. But I'll send it to you. It's an absolutely amazing uh, trans track. One of the f- f- uh, trans tracks that you'll blow your mind the first time you listen to it. And then every time after that, it gets better. It's absolutely amazing. The Jeanne out in Frankfurt beat. Um, possibly the other one that would be uh, The Devil's Drandruff. <laughs> on... Uh, that's, a, that's an actual song <laughs> on Frank for Beat as well um, by Obscurities uh, what do you call the band again I Obscurities The Devil's Drandruff I think that about it um, they came over and done a live set in Kelly's man they absolutely wrecked the place like they're still live recording that floating about um, I would like to play those two tracks if possible brilliant mate Lorga. thank you thank you mate <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Jesus.